Welcome back to a brief hiatus, but a long overdue episode of the Rankable Podcast. I am so hyped to talk to this woman. She is forging a path in the world of generative AI. No, but the big thing is I'm joined by Brittany Muller today. She is educating. She's explaining and breaking down these complex ideas of LLMs and what ChatGPT can and can't do and all the other tools out there uh, today. So Brittany, she's a seasoned marketing and machine learning consultant. She's the founder and consultant of DataSci 101, carved out a unique niche in the industry with roles like as marketing manager for Hugging Face, speaking of AI, senior SEO scientist at Moz, going old school. She speaks all over the place, conferences. She'll do workshops in, in, in your office and, and educate your team. Thank you so much for joining me today, Brittany. How the heck are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Garrett. This is a long time coming. I'm excited to finally sit down and, and chat with you. I, I'm hyped. I mean, you and I are both all in on this world of generative AI, how it's impacting uh, marketing, different companies. You wrote this. Well, you're you're just at the beginning, the first part of a series of um kind of beginner's guides to LLM. Can you yeah. talk a little bit before we even dive in into what this piece is on your website? And we'll have a link in, in the description notes. What's the intention behind it? Yeah, great question. So this really came about because of all of the chat GPT explosion and just seeing so much misinformation. And it I also, you know, I have empathy for new people to this space. How are they supposed to understand how these things work or get some of that information? Um, I certainly struggled back in the day, like learning about language models. And so I felt as though I was in a really unique position to sort of translate this information in a way that is really accessible to people and outlines clear boundaries as far as, you know, what these things are good at, what they're not so good at. So I have taken this so seriously. I have spent an embarrassing amount of time like in this office, just cranking out this content because I feel like it's so, so important. I've had over 25 now, probably 30 experts reviewing this stuff. Um, and I've had different like opportunities to like make it into a book. And I'm like, that would be cool maybe someday. But this needs to be publicly accessible. Like I'm so passionate about it. Um, it has to be free. It has to be accessible in different formats, you know, like, so I'm just thrilled to finally like start unrolling this out and getting people's thoughts and feedback and hearing how it's helping marketers and SEOs as well, like have some of these tougher conversations, having these conversations around generative AI. And a lot of times people have to educate the higher ups even as far as what it is that is being asked of them. And this big push towards, you know, use AI, use AI. It's it's a wild, wild west moment. So yeah, I'm just excited to kind of get some better info in the hands of the people that deserve it. I, I'm curious where you think we're at because, okay, so ChatGPT was rolled out in November of 2022. It's been going more and more mainstream over the course of the year. And yet it's hard not to be stuck in an AI bubble if you're online and seeing all these advancements. You talk to a lot of marketers, a lot of execs. Do you think there's still a lot of education to be done? Or do you think people are getting it at this point? 
I don't think people are getting it. You know, I think there needs to be kind of a, a step back to move forwards. And this was something I personally had a, a big struggle with when I got into machine learning was thinking I knew all of these things and how they worked. And, uh, you know, it was kind of gently guided by people much smarter than me about why words matter and why like the construction of these models are so important to wrap your head around in terms of why they're doing the things that they're doing and the capabilities that they offer. And um, even just like seeing these things train over time and improve. I mean, that, that experience, I feel like gives me, um, yeah, a lot of weird information to kind of ponder when it comes to this stuff. Cause I've seen lots of strange use cases, but um, yeah. What do you think are some of the like the misconceptions that people are having that that we need to like educate them on that that needs to be kind of ruled out? Yeah. So these are predictive engines and they have like an element of randomness to them. And that's what makes it sound so human like. Right. So using this for any kind of research driven initiatives is a no go for me um, unless you have incorporated some reg model or it's connected to some search engine processing and information retrieval but these in and of themselves like they're not information retrieval not at all um and they basically generate like the average information about everything like the most seen stuff online which can be problematic in tons of different ways um, but that's the biggest one that i see people assuming it can do like PPC research, someone was actually using it for keyword research. Like, don't do that. Don't do that. So that's yeah. the big for me. It's really good at like generative text, but, you know, yeah. it obviously doesn't actually understand things. But as it's funny, it's moving so rapidly. And you mentioned the, the RAG, the Retrieval Augmented Generation, which is basically the ability for it to for the large language model to interact with these knowledge graphs to actually get facts. But are those, cause that's the next level and that's what people are starting to use, whether they're using Bing or Bard um, or even perplexity, which is another tool out there is, do you think those are trustworthy or even those would you not trust when they're, you know, connecting with the internet? Yeah. Unfortunately, those aren't really trustworthy either. And there's, I probably shouldn't name the company, but a large uh, credit card processing company thought that they could implement a reg system internally for help docs and resources. And they said, you know, how would you use this? How would you implement this on Shopify? And it came up with this wildly wrong answer and they were upset, right? Like they thought they were doing the best thing by implementing the state of the art reg system, but it's still predictive in nature. And that's why understanding the fundamentals behind a language model and understanding like, oh, fuck, this is a probability distribution. And there's an element of randomness to it. Like, that's why it's generating weird things every now and then. And then, you know, it generates an error. Like, for example, with this reg system at this credit card processing company, and these errors compound on themselves because it states one thing incorrectly and then it's continuing to like double down on it and continue that phrase. So 
Yeah, it's really, really tricky. Um, there's been some progress with domain adapted language models where these models are improved and fine-tuned with very industry-specific information or in-house information. Uh, those tend to do quite well. Um, also developing some of these models kind of on your own and building it, those do really well. Like financial institutions have to do that oftentimes for just even like legality, privacy concerns. So, I mean, so based on you wrote your beginner's guide and you actually have this really great list of things you shouldn't use LLMs for and what you yeah. should, you know, we're, we're talking all the, all the ways they, they screw things up. What yeah. are the ways that you actually consult and recommend clients that they should be using it? What, what are the appropriate use cases? Yeah. I'm so happy you asked this question. Cause I feel like I used to be so fun, Garrett. Like I used to be the fun <laughs> machine learning woman on stage and I love this stuff and I still love it but I feel like that gets overshadowed by a lot of my growing concerns um but I am super excited about this technology like I'm thrilled to be kind of in the thick of it and using it in different ways I'm still a huge fan of collab notebooks doing different things like uh Kristen Tinsky has come out with some incredible workflows for like news jacking, rewriting different things. Um, a coworker of mine at Hugging Face, we both have since left, but I've been talking to him a lot about, he's so smart. He just spins up these tools. He's not formally trained developer or anything, but it's, uh, let me get the URL right. It's wordcrafter.ai. And that one I'm super excited about because he knows SEO. Like he knows the fact that in order to create an outline for a particular topic, you really should be looking at Google search results for that topic, right? Google is showing their hand at what it is people want for a particular thing. So his ability to kind of grab that information and then incorporate that into a large language model is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Um, so kind of speeding up some of those processes, um, I'm really excited about like the report generation. I know Mike King's talked about that a lot and doing really powerful stuff with um, different APIs to generate kind of these reports and summaries that, that are supported by language models, which is just brilliant. And obviously it's kind of goes with like, it gets you to a certain point, but you should always be reviewing the content. And it's really a tool to work with and not like a set and forget type solution. Uh, but yeah, there's tons of stuff I'm super excited about. I think, yeah, unfortunately, my focus has kind of been around educating people about the harms because I weigh the risk and reward right now. And there are some scary things going on. So I, yeah. I mean, to, to, to that down. point, I mean, and, and you really, you, you, you highlight, cause a lot of SEOs are using it. It's here to stay. It's not yeah. going anywhere. Like people are going to use it for better, or for worse. So getting the word out there of like educating on what it can and can't do is so key. The other side of the coin, which I really am interested to dive into is the ethical risks of AI, whether it's in like SEO, content generation. And there are a couple of components I would love to get your perspective on. The first big one is that a lot of these models are trained on kind of the open internet, whether it's Wikipedia or the New York Times or Reddit threads, or just this whole compendium of billions of documents. 
addressing the IP concerns, where do you where do you stand on this uh, on this topic of like, is it okay to use this to publish your own stuff, knowing that it's trained on other, you know, whether it's text or images? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. I think there's certainly different levels to that, you know, like um, some things might not be so sensitive in terms of content or, or information, whereas like people's personal artwork, like I really do feel for artists right now whose content has essentially just been stolen. Same with writers though, like writers content has completely been stolen and incorporated into this. And I think there's a couple really dangerous assumptions behind the data that's used to train on these models. You know, there's no download all button for the internet. There are people behind these systems that are making decisions about which parts of the internet should go into the model. And they're not being documented. They're not being transparent about what those things look like. And there's quite frankly, like very little data governance around that part. And that's that's everything, right? Like diving into data, the data set that these models are trained on teaches you so much about the beliefs, the biases, um, systemic things. I mean, it really can help you just kind of uncover what those issues are so that you're aware of it, right? Every, every data set is biased. Absolutely. We're all biased, but there are ways to go about this in a way that's safer in terms of implementation. And something that I've sort of been really struggling to wrap my head around is like, this also assumes that all knowledge is text-based, which we know is not true. Um, there's overwhelmingly, you know, it's mostly English. And you look at the top websites and something as openly available as something as like the, the C4, the clean crawl. And you look at the top sites and it's like, I actually have it up. It's like patents.google.com is massive. And then the next one is Wikipedia. And so even like starting, let's just go there. Those seem like safe sites, right? Where you're like, oh, that should be a good place for a model to learn some things from. And then you look at the self-reported uh, contributor to Wikipedia data set or information survey, it's almost all men, 86% men edit and contribute to Wikipedia. Uh, average age of 27 has higher education, are single and no kids. That's not representative. There's a lot of reasons why there's a total lack of big parts of black history on Wikipedia because it hasn't been covered, right? Like the editors don't have a, a diverse enough perspective to even bring some of this stuff to the table. And I think that's the scary bit to me is like, this is a symptom of a much larger problem in this industry. And so there needs to be serious change around like making this more welcoming to people outside of like this general AI population of white dudes. You know what I mean? Like it, they, it hasn't historically been a very welcoming place, nor do they make it easy to sit at the table. So those are some of the things that like I get really, really passionate about. And the fact that we're sort of just rolling forward with these incredibly biased language models that have all these band-aid 
guardrails as solutions is concerning because that will inevitably, like there's data drift, which a lot of people don't know about that, like these models change and morph over time. So while you're relying on the chat GPT API to do something sort of innocuous and, you know, you don't think it's a concern, it could shift really quickly in terms of generating some strange outputs that would be concerning to to someone. So, yeah, I know it's a lot, but. No, it it is. And it's tricky because it's like, to your point, it's like a lot of this tech and the biases that are baked in are to some extent a reflection on society. Like in your beginner's guide, you referenced Tay, which was a chatbot that was trained on Twitter and became incredibly racist and offensive in like a day. Um, And this was like, what, 10, 15 years ago that that was even, I don't know if it was that long, but the point is it, it gets very tricky when you look at like American education, it's based on like a lot of white men writing the history books and that's problematic. What, how do you like guide either businesses or individuals to think about this? Like what are, not that there's an answer, but what are some proposed solutions going forward? So I think just like to start is like very basic fundamental data ethics, right? Understanding PII, um, understanding just something as simple as like distributions, right? Of, Of things in a data set looking into what that entails um, and getting like data scientists if required to kind of sit in and do some analysis on the data you're either planning to fine tune one of these models on um, or dig into something that you're developing. I think that's super, super important. We should all be asking what's in the data all the time. We should all be super skeptical. Like that's another thing is just like stay skeptical with some of this stuff. but. Unfortunately, with different applications of these things, sometimes like that basic data ethics isn't enough. Every industry is different. And so you'll notice like in the medical field, that requires a whole different requirement of psychological, medical, um, physical ethics around how things are being used, how people might be vulnerable to these things more so than others. Um, There's a lot that goes into that robotics, especially when we're talking about like self-driving cars. That's another whole different thing around like, holy shit, like we're the training data, right? And people have died over this and it's kind of swept under the rug, but like we are the training data. And I think more people should be aware of that, right? Like there's that terrible instance a couple of years ago where I forget which self-driving car company, but it had trained on shoes. No, I there. Oh, there's that one. But no, it was just the one where it had trained on all of the people walking and then all of the people biking, but it had never seen someone walking with the bike and it struck and killed this woman. Oh my God. So, I mean, there's tons of examples like that. And I, I'm always kind of hesitant to share it because they are quite morbid, but I feel like those things stick in our memory so much more than some of these other things maybe I've been sharing. And like, I think about that with Tesla's, there's a long history of decapitations with drivers and Tesla vehicles because at a specific angle, the automated system thinks that semi-trucks are bridges that you can drive under. (laughs) Yes. Like, Sorry, I can't believe I'm laughing, but yeah. yeah. 
no, it's, but it's shocking, right? Like this stuff is super shocking and uncomfortable, but like, once you understand how this stuff works, unfortunately it's like, oh, that I could totally see why that would happen. Right. But that's not good enough. Like we need to be doing this stuff on the front end so that we're protecting people. And also like the psychological effects that some of this will have down the road also terrify me. Like what, how are, how are these things shaping children's worldviews, right? Like even you talk about Google generative search results, like they'll generate certain results for girls that they won't for boys. And it's strange stuff like that, that we're now having, you know, everyone interact with at some point. So yeah, there's a lot of layers to it. I'm certainly by no means a formally trained ethicist. I give a lot of credit um, to those people and they should certainly be sitting in their rooms. But I think having like a really strong understanding of the domain, which you're doing this stuff on, right? Like, what does that look like? What concerns have all of the different people at the table and and be able to sort of attack it that way and then have proper maintenance over time because these things do kind of slip. It's funny, you kind of answered because I was going to end with one kind of big question, which was like knowing that there's all of these awful ways that the future of this tech can go and it is going to impact society and it is cat out of the bag. What is, and you, maybe you can expand on what you are just saying, but what is the best realistic outcome that you see when it comes to pointing the training and the development of LLMs and knowledge graphs, you know, intertwined um, going forward? Yeah. Um, it gets into really specific models. So mm -hmm. I don't know where this, well, I actually do. Like there's deep seated roots in eugenics and all these terrible things that takes over AGI, artificial general intelligence, like can do, like, it's so ridiculous. You not believe in AGI. It is so dumb. Like, <laughs> oh my God, there's a, so many reasons why that's so foolish and like strange to want when you could have a really small, affordable model that does one particular thing, like medical diagnostics really, really well. Why wouldn't we want those? Like those narrow applications are where I see this stuff going because They'll be more widely adopted. They'll be more accurate and they'll be more valuable to us as people. So I get really, really excited about those. And I mean, there's also like different cultural aspects that it could support. Like, um, you know, languages are dying off in different cultures and like keeping some of those around is really, really powerful. And these could support that in really cool ways. So there are like, there's tons of applications, but I see like the most valuable ones being in those very kind of niche, narrow solutions. It's, I mean, it is a very big conversation. I, I feel yeah. like, you know, we'll probably have to have a round two at some point because it's, I feel like yeah. you and I could talk about this stuff for forever. It's just so you're so passionate about it we're we'll, we'll get burnt out we'll, we'll recoup we'll get burnt out again yeah. we'll recoup and then we'll have you back on rankable to when we're yeah like i would love that peak. i would love that and i would also love to mention like i feel like everyone feels like they're behind right now and you're not like if you're listening to this episode like you're gonna be fine you're on the right track you're curious you're learning about it you're gonna be just fine um, and quite frankly, there's so many tools out there. It's overwhelming to everyone. And we, a lot of people don't know how to string all of these pieces together just yet. Solutions are coming forward. 
um, and will be more readily available. But I feel like everyone's just in this really uncomfortable place where they feel like, you know, they could be replaced or their jobs are at risk. And that's really not the case. I think um, you can really wield this technology to support your work and to do it better and work on honestly the things that are more interesting right like automate some of the boring stuff and be able to focus on higher level thinking is is a powerful asset too and and for those of you who are listening who really are overwhelmed and don't think it's successful please read Brittany's beginner's guide to LLM because no, you do, you break it down. And it's like, yes, there are some big concepts in there, but you do such a great job of explaining it in a way that if you don't know what machine learning is, if you don't, if you've never coded anything in your life, if you have never even used, you know, a marketing tool and tried to like do some workflow, this this is the document. And and you got, when's the next part coming out? Not to put you on the spot. You're working I'm, on a part two. I'm trying to finish it for Monday, actually. <laughs> so there you go. This, this is going to come out yeah. Wednesday from when we're recording. So, so I'm going to hold you to. Yeah. All right. No, this, this is what I need. I need more accountability in my life, Garrett. Thank you. There you go. Forcing function. We'll have the link for all of what Brittany mentioned in the show notes, but are you ready for some rapid fire rankings? I'm ready. Okay, I'm putting you on the spot. Here we go. We're bringing it back. Again, all set up. Brittany, starting off, we'll put some, some turn on the music, put some time on the clock. Here we go. Rank your top three of something, anything that you love the most. Oh my gosh. This is not the order I have rapid fire questions. I knew I shouldn't have even looked at this doc. Now I'm like thrown, thrown off. Um, okay. I love reading. I think reading is underrated and people just think they can get everything online. You can't. Um, and three of my favorite books right now, automating inequality, thinking in systems. Holy shit. I wish I had read that years ago and weapons of math destruction. Uh, and then also there's the algorithms of oppression. Go read those. Go read yeah, those. That I love, I, I got to remind me to show you the, the, the books I'm into as well. Uh, cause yeah. I'm in the same mindset, the thinking fast and slow. Anyway, yeah. rank, rank your best SEO or marketing win. Ooh, I have to say I've gotten, gotten really deep into the field of PR after working at Hugging Face and had a lot of fun. And PR is sometimes a numbers game. And reaching out to a bunch of AP writers I thought was going to be just a waste of my time. And I landed Matt O'Brien for the Bloom story. And it he's, they fly out photographers for their stories, which is so cool. And so he flew out photographers to photograph two of the lead engineers. And this story went from all major publications down to the local newspapers and the engineers like family and grandparents had it, you know, and we're so proud of them. I think that was one of the coolest moments of, holy cow, like this, you know, you can kind of play around with this stuff a bit more and, and get big visibility if you kind of move the right pieces. That, that is so cool. And, it, and it's, it's satisfying because local news feels like it's dying. So when you're like, I know. it's still, it's still, it still matters. It well it does matter. I mean, I anyway, rank yeah. your top three SEO tools. Ooh, you know, such an unfair question. 
Good question. Um, I think just looking at Google is so underrated. I feel like SEOs just don't do that enough. I know that's so dumb, but like, look at Google. Um, I do love Spark Toro. This is my Spark Toro shirt. Man. So, so powerful. You can do lots of really like strategic things with Spark Toro. Uh, and then probably get stat. Love it. Okay, rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Ooh, ooh, I do like news jacking or like jumping up on a trend. I feel like SEOs could be way more creative when it comes to this stuff and AI can help, right? Like I was just talking to a bunch of destination marketers and it was like visit Ontario, visit Glenwood Springs. And this was around like the Barbie movie hype. And I was telling them, you know, visit Glenwood Springs. There's like what, 26 main hot springs in Colorado. I got all of the information for each of the hot springs and I asked Midjourney to create a Barbie for each hot spring. And it did so with such like funny precision about the, the aspects of each. And I'm like, there's a viral piece of content, right? Like look at people love geolocal information that's on a trend. Like the Midjourney houses by state that went viral. Like, it doesn't have to be anything like super complex or heavy to lift. There's so many ways to jump on some of these trends and and do some really cool stuff. That is so that is so creative. It's funny. I tried to do mid journey. Like you, you remember that whole trend where they were having like social media platforms as people. I tried to do that like for mid journey where I was like, what if Facebook was a person? <laughs> Complete disaster. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Talk really? about biases. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. But what a great way to surface that, right? Like this is wild. That's such, those are such creative ideas. Okay. So if anyone needs a PR idea for using mid journey, uh, hit up Brittany. She, she, she'll run your next camp. There's lots. There's lots. <laughs> what, okay. Rank what you, uh, what you love most about SEO. I think it's like having that power to give people visibility that deserve it there, in my opinion, like, and especially back in the day when I was just getting started and working with small businesses, like, there's nothing better, you know? And yeah, sending people to the right places and seeing the impact of that is so beautiful and you can use it in like really meaningful ways. I love that. It's such a, I did local and it's the same sort of thing. Local I, businesses, when they get those reviews and move up yeah. the rankings, rank your best learning SEO resource. Oh, I'm a bit biased, but I still love my beginner's guide to SEO Moz. I will, I will say so like- good. Yeah, I, it's a good like sort of ground truth for a couple of years ago. I do believe like things are changing and won't be as like required the smarter that Google gets, but it's still like such a great introduction um, that I always, I still send people there. Yeah, the fundamentals are still fundamental. Um, rank, this is the hardest question I always ask, but rank the top one to three SEO or marketers that you most admire or look up to. Oh. It's really hard. Yeah, I know. I had a really hard time with this one. Oh, so hard. But I think Mike King is really up there and has been just forever because of, I mean, all sorts of reasons, but like his technical skills paired with like real world experiences with this industry make him so fun to learn from. And he's just, he's a genius. He's like such a blessing to this space. It's crazy. Uh, so I'm just, I'm so, so grateful for Mike. Kristen Tinsky, talk about like doing real shit. Mm -hmm. She has been cranking out 
for years now, like not just even recently, her recent stuff with the AI world has been really, really cool. But for the longest time, she has been such a pioneer in the world of like world-class content that goes viral. I love the way her and her team like think about things and big fan. Phil Nottingham, talk about just like one of the biggest hearts, best people in the space. Like I love him so much. He is also just another complete blessing to our industry. Um, and I, fun fact, I would, I was so close to quitting speaking when I first started because I ran into some like, really terrible things. And Phil uh, helped kind of talk me out of it and was like, give it another try. Like, I really think this is like meant for you. And oh, you're an angel. I just, That's awesome. Good people. Such a good brand guy, too. I mean, like, he knows yeah. everything. Anyway. Yeah. Finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. I love the Sheldrick Wildlife Trust. I don't know where this came from, but I have like such an insane love of element elephants. Like if I think about them too hard, Garrett, like I just start crying. Like <laughs> I, and I keep talking about like, I, I want to, my dream one day is to like apply my technical skills to help protecting them. And I've talked with the people at the Allen Institute who are working with drone technology to identify and deter poachers. And so I'm kind of in some of those conversations, but oh my gosh, I don't know. There's just something, I think, was I an elephant in another life? <laughs> I, I have some weird connection that I just, I love them. I love them. You know, it's funny, I didn't, but I recently did because that was the first animal noise that my daughter learned to do. And so we just go back and forth doing the shit. I mean, when she does it, it's so adorable. But it's like, when you have that connection, you for whatever reason, you get that connection with an animal and then you're like, that's your power animal. Like that is yeah. what you identify. So yeah. I feel you on the elephants. Brittany, so awesome. Thank you so much for this. Um, there's so much more education that needs to happen. If people want to get in touch with you, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, good question. Probably Twitter, unfortunately, or just my email. Uh, Muller at gmail.com tends to work best. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, one last thing I do want to say. Parting words, yeah. Like, because we're talking about AI so much and everyone's excited to apply this technology to do really powerful things, it's important to acknowledge there's still so many tools, models, and other algorithms that do things really well. Like you don't need AI for a lot of things. And I think oftentimes people come to me with these AI ideas and there's an NLP solution for that, or there's a heuristical model that we could easily crank up for that. So just to kind of keep your mind open in terms of solutions. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the one thing we can't afford to lose with all these tools that making makes things so much easier is our ability to think critically, critical yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. The most uh, high tech, complex thing in the entire world is sitting on your shoulders right now. So we need to use it. <laughs> oh, there's the quote. There's the quote. Thank you so much for being my guest. This has been awesome. Thank you so much, Garrett. This is my name is Garrett Sussman of IPO Rank. This has been the Rankable Podcast. We will be back next week as well. Thanks again for listening. Catch you later. 